and welcome to the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast. I'm Scott Harris, your constitutional patriot behind the Red Pill mic and on the Red Pill cam. And on today's Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast, we are going to talk about Tim Scott running for President of the United States. And let's get started. to the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast. And now we're back to the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast. And today what we're going to be talking about is Tim Scott becoming President of the United States. That's going to be the main part of the podcast. But first we have some finished business from the last Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast. And that is for those of you who listened to the last episode of the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast, um, episode number 20 for the Tea Party Policy Chat Podcast, we were doing a survey. We were doing a survey for the Heritage Foundation. And we had some questions that we had to answer. There were three questions left that we had to get to. So we're going to finish that up today, and we're going to mail it out. And then we're going to get right into the Tim, um, uh, Tim Scott announcements and some extra repercussions from that. But before we get started on all that, today on the Tea Party Policy Chat, I'm having some tea. And I'm, ha- I'm pouring the tea right now as I'm talking to you. I'm pouring and talking at the same time. Wow, I could walk and chew gum at the same time. And that is something that pretty much Republicans can do. Democrats have yet to been able to prove that they can do such a thing. So here we go. And I'm having my tea in my uh, Dr. Seuss mug. And as you can see, the Dr. Seuss, there it is, it has a poem. And the poem says, let's go, Brandon. I do not like your mental haze. I do not like your leftist ways. I do not like your sun on blow. I do not like you, Sleepy Joe. (laughs) I have, uh, I saw this on Facebook, had to have it. There was a funny story. Um. Right before I bought this, I saw on YouTube this guy. He was doing these these videos, and he would go to uh, <laughs> so funny. He would go to like a Walmart customer service or a Target customer service or some kind of store, and he says, "I'm um, hello. Um, my friend and I got separated in the store. I got a I got a phone call." Um, that we have a family emergency and I need to leave. So can you page my friend? And he and they go, okay. What's your friend's name? And he would say, first name Brand. Uh, let's go. First name Let's go. Last name Brandon. And you'd have this <laughs> this person say, Will a Mister Let's go Brandon please report to the front desk. <laughs> to customer service. Will a Mr. Let's Go Brandon please 
report. And they were going bleep Joe Biden, bleep Joe Biden. And you can replace the bleep with the uh, four-letter word that normally would go with that. And that's what they were chatting. And the, and the little the kid that was run, that was working there, I felt so sorry, is like it was the funniest thing ever. And he tried it at several different places, and it was like, and then, but one store, it was like a Petco or a PetSmart, and there's, and he says, well, let's just walk around the store calling it out. What's his name? And he said, and, go, and she stopped and said, that's funny. <laughs> so that's, uh, I, and then the next day I saw this uh, mug and had to have it. So what we're going to do now is, um, I'm not going to go over the questions I already answered. The next question is number seven. Let the left reckless spending over the past two years has hurt Americans by ramping up inflation. Forecasted inflation was at 1.9% in February 2021, but after the left spending spree, inflation has surged to as high as 8.3% in 2022. With no end in sight, do you think that it's important for conservatives in Congress to oppose huge spending increases and demand sensible spending cuts? Well, absolutely, of course, yes. <laughs> um, see, this is see what what this the, the what is the core of this question? The core of this question is um, that the. Uh, economic fact that when you increase government spending that actually creates an inflationary pressure on the economy okay these are basic simple economic principles that the left does not seem to understand okay or the fact that they just don't care but the but with all of the 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 Yellen um, and the Fed they were talking oh this is transitory they have no, they don't understand the money supply issues, scarcity of resources, <coughs> and all of those, excuse me, and all those things. Now, let me get some tea. Mm, that's good tea. And the tea I'm having today is the Hintley & Sons Fine Teas Black Cast Bourbon Tea. I drink this a lot. I just got a new shipment in, and that's why I'm doing it. This is my favorite tea. Well, I'm going on. So, see, the thing is, is that when, the, the, all they they don't study economics. They don't study economics. They don't they don't look at this aspect to it. Now, one of the things that needs to be completely understood is that this this um, inflationary pressure is when you basically, what are the interest rates doing? They're basically cutting out the money they, at, with, within the system. They want to raise the rates, basically increase unemployment. The increase unemployment, they want to do demand destruction. In order to, and what you have to do is you have to destroy demand, okay, to get the inflation rate down. Okay, then then you can start to lower rates. Okay, but the problem is, is this isn't, but in order to cure inflation, you have a massive issue with, with a lot of different economic problems. Now, the problem is, is that we had a growth economy for the past, 
pretty much on, for the most part, for the past 20 years, a massively growth economy, for the most part. There was points of recession during the Obama eras. There was a point of recession um, uh, d during um, Bush. There was a, 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 a minor recession um, due to what the COVID hit. That I mean, that was a massive demand destruction. The market, the market before that was at thirty five was was approaching. I believe it was almost thirty seven thousand, and they and they were projecting it to go to over forty thousand on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Okay, but then what happened was is that you had COVID hit the complete the entire economy pretty much for the whole world was shut down for a minimum of two weeks, months for most cases, and years in some places. And that, has, that was a com complete destruction of demand, okay? And w that led to um, massively high unemployment rates. People had no money. People needed food and all this other stuff because they had no income. So what... what for an emergency situation, they started increasing all of this massive COVID-era spending. But the problem is, is that once the economy started rocking back into place, guess what happened? The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped to, uh, people were dumping stocks left, right, and center. I mean, it was like, people was like a sell-off. People were buying, were selling short. There is a lot of people that made a lot of money short-selling that fall. Okay, I mean, short selling is when you sell at a high price, at a higher price, and then the price drops, and then you buy at the low price. It's called a short sale. Okay, day traders do it. They, there are people who make money trading stocks that make money with the market goes up or the market goes down. They don't really care what the company is. They don't care what the price is. What they're looking at is the volatility up and down. And they, as it's as it's falling, they're selling short, selling short, selling short, and they're in and out of the stock, just every few minutes, making a small margin on a large block of stock, and they're making a lot of money day trading. Okay, that's what. But see, the thing is, is that Varney said when it got down to the eighteen, um, eighteen hundred. Um, 18,000s for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, he said, this is a generational buying opportunity. If you were to take that all that cash that you, when you were dumping the stock in the 30s, when it was at the high 30s, 35, 36,000, you, when you dump the stock at those levels and then take all that cash and bought at, and took all of it and bought at 18,000, now the stock Dow Jones is up to 34,000, 34, okay? The amount of, that, that is massive amounts of money. That is a massive, if you bought, um, if you bought, um, invested $100,000, okay, at, when it was at 18,000, and it's at 30, and you dumped, you're, you're, you, you are a massive multi-million a dozen times over. That's how much we're talking about here, okay? Generational buying opportunity for these people. And there's a lot of people that made a lot of money. And that's not just a lot of people. See, these, see, the thing is, is that, well, what about the people that lost everything in the 401ks? Guess what? They got it all back. 
And for those people who ha were, had stocks at the high numbers and they weren't selling at the high numbers to buy at the low, they just held on. And, they, and now it's back up and they didn't even lose anything. My dad, that's what my dad did in his portfolio. He had some Apple stock and some other things, and it got dry. And he goes, I'm not doing I'm, I'm not. I'm not selling it. I'm not selling it. If I sell it, I'm going to lose money. If I sell it, I'm going to lose money. So he held on. Now, everything he has is in the green, and, and he has unrealized gains because he didn't sell. Okay. We, you only take the loss when you sell. You only take the gain when you sell. If you hold, you're holding. You're waiting for it to go up. You're holding. Okay? So these economic facts, these economic principles, that left, the left does not comprehend or understand. Okay? Because they don't want, it, they don't want you to understand. Okay. Now we're moving to question number eight. Tax reforms in 2017 sparked immediate economic growth. And despite dire predictions by the left, new budget estimates show that tax revenues have increased since 2017 tax cuts. Do you think it's important to educate Americans on how tax relief boosts the economy? Yes, this is exactly what these Democrats don't understand when it comes to taxes. If you go back and look through the entire history of our country and you look at the and you look at when did revenues of government increase? It was right after tax cuts. Because what happens when you cut taxes especially on business? When you cut taxes on business, you, you people have more money to spend. When they have more money to spend, they spend more money or they invest more money. When they invest more money, what are they trying to do? They're trying to make a profit. So when you invest more money, what are you doing? You're, you're investing the money in business that basically will sell more products. You're selling new products. You're expanding factories. You're hiring more people. When you hire more people, what happens to the unemployment rate? The unemployment rate goes down. Okay, which means more, which means fewer people that are accepting government assistance. The fewer people that are on government assistance, the less money that is going, being paid out, which means that is less cash being out, which more money being taxed, which means more money coming into the government. It's a really it's a very simple economic principle that every pretty much every economic student in college that basically is studying economics can understand and comprehend. The problem is is that they used to teach economics in high school. They don't they still have a class called economics in high school, but what do they teach? They teach how to calculate the slope of a curve. That's all they teach. And it was my pet peeve when I was working on the teaching credentialing program, it was I would see economic teachers or I would and it's like this is driving me insane. Why are they spending the entire class period doing 20 calculations? 20, 25 calculations on figuring the slope of different curves. That is completely a waste of time. Okay? Here's how important understanding how to calculate the slope of a curve is. Pretty much, 
on a scale of one to ten, one being not important at all and ten being massively important, it's a, it's about a zero. Okay, <laughs> that's 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 what we're talking about here. What's more important to understand is why this why is why the slope of a curve changes and what is the what creates the curve why is there a curve anyway what causes the curve to move and change these are the questions that need to be answered these are the questions the ponder the questions of their lives in in, in economics and that is what's important and you have and in that aspect you have the uh you have the principles of supply, the principles of demand, okay? The factors of supply, the factors of demand. These things are what creates the demand and supply curves. These are what causes the demand and supply curves to shift, to change slope. Because what, that, what, these, what these things do, the supply is basically this. What price and how many quantities of this coffee mug can I produce at any given price? Okay? The fewer the quantity, okay, the fewer the quantity, the more I can produce. Okay? The, the, it's, it's basically, here's the thing. You have supply and demand curves and where they inter interact. I, it did it, take me to, I, I could have to, I'd have to spend a whole hour just explaining supply and the principles of supply and demand curves. It's, it's, but basically review, go basically, um, I'm, I'm putting together, um, I will be hopefully next year, I'm, I'm planning to do it next year, is a online, is a course on basic economics. Um, on economic principles, supply, demand, and it will be a full, full-on course um, that I'm, 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 I'm putting. I'm going to plan to put together. So, that, so that's. I'm, I hopefully will get to that next year. I have a very lot of stuff going on. So there's that. But see now, we're going to quote the last question in this survey on tax ballots. Analysis by the Heritage Foundation experts show that in California. The average household saw a 1,397 tax cut in 2019 thanks to the tax cuts by Donald Trump. It doesn't say Donald Trump, it just says tax cuts, period. I added Donald Trump because that's who's responsible for it. But this tax relief begins to expire this year. That means higher taxes. Do you agree that Congress should push to permanently expand the tax relief and stop huge tax hikes? Dear God, Lord Jesus, yes. Absolutely. So there's that. That's the last question on, and that should go self-explanatory. And here is the envelope. The envelope to send it off. It goes in here. And there it goes. Sealed the envelope. And it's going out in, in the mail. Okay. So <laughs> there's that. Fit. That business is finished and done. Now I want to get to <laughs> the first video of 
of this of of Tim Scott running for president. And here and this is and this is where we're going to get and what we have to do. So here pay attention. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing every single rung of the ladder that helped him climb. Now, what are they attacking? They are attacking, they are, they pretty much are destroying education. They're pretty much destroying capitalism. They're pretty much destroying business. They're pretty much increasing taxes. They're all these things. All of these things that helped him climb out. He is not saying, give me money, give me, give me, give me money. He's not saying, give me um, special treatment, give me all these things. He's not saying that at all. It's just give me a playing field that's equal, not equal outcome, equal opportunity. There are two different meanings. Okay? He wants equal, not equity. Okay? So let's go on. Today, that I'm running for president of the United States. I love this guy. I really do. I think that he would make an absolutely super great, fantastic president of the United States. He has the same, he has good, strong conservative values. He's a man of honor. He is smart. He is brilliant. He's a hard worker. He has the, the, structure and beliefs in how great this country is. Okay? I love this guy. That was Tim Scott earlier today. Tim Scott did not grow up like most presidential candidates. See, right here, this is what's important. Okay? See, when, when, um, there was a black conservative, it wasn't Tim Scott, but there was another black conservative, and he was being interviewed um, on uh, CNN, <laughs> and the female black reporter was he was he had a picture up. He wasn't on camera; it was on the phone, and he was you know, and they and they just says and he was they were disagreeing with him about his policies. It was an economic policy that they were talking about, a tax policy, I think it was. This was several years ago, and and the the um, the the person. The reporter just said, well, that's your, you just need to check your white privilege. And he goes, I'm African-American. And he basically, we're going to commercial. <laughs> See, th that conceptual framework, have that in mind as you're listening to Trey Gowdy. I love tr Trey Gowdy. I miss him in Congress. I mean, his, his interrogations on those hearings against witnesses um, liberal witnesses was brilliant. He would he would basically cut them up in, with with a sushi knife. I mean, it was like he would slice them to bits. Their arguments, their positions, and basically show how stupid and ignorant they are. I loved it. I miss him in Congress. I really I you know but he, you know he he is doing what he needs to do. So he's he's uh, but he's still in the public square, and we still have his genius. Moving on, and here we go. He shared a room, not a house, a room with his mother and his brother. 
He nearly failed out of school. His grandfather could not read or write. Because when others tell you... So his whole family was living in one room. Take a moment and pause. This man was poor. And he's the and he is poor. He believes in hard work. And he's saying, do not give me a handout. Let me build and earn <coughs> and earn my way. I love that. This is exactly what this country needs. I, I, the thing is, the thing is, is that the the breadth and depth of the quality candidates that we have in the republic, it's like picking and choosing. It's like, it's like picking from perfection. I mean, it's like each one is great. They would all make absolutely great presidents. Christy Nome, great president. Trump, great president. Um, Tim Scott, great president. Uh, DeSantis, great president. Okay, and the list goes on and on and on, and the n left has nobody. Who is the, who? Who do they have? They have who is the who is the the golden child of the Democratic Party? It's Newsom. The guy's a complete incompetent fool, and that's the best they have. This is what people need to understand and think about. Okay. The ceiling for your life is picking cotton. Why bother? But through education and hard work and opportunity. My dad picked cotton. My dad, um, as a kid, would work all day on the weekends, after school, throughout picking cotton. He, my dad did that in Texas. Okay, my grandfather was a genius. He went from fourth grade to college. He he went to Baylor University, got multiple degrees, multiple. Do he was like he was working on a doctorate in theology, and and he and he taught. His, uh, he was a preacher at churches all through Texas, and my dad had to work. My dad says, "You're going to work." He, the, the work ethic was, was massive in our family. You work. You work. And do we have that today? Do we have that today? Do we have that conceptual framework of the importance of work? Do we have that conceptual feeling about a, an honest day's work for an honest day's dollar? <laughs> or 25 cents after inflation. So have, the, have these mindsets. When you're listening to him talk about picking cotton, what I want you to think about, what is my personal conceptual framework, my viewpoint, my, my aspect of the importance of work? Okay? Not just working for another person, but work as in general, as in starting your own business entrepreneurship, work. Sometimes working for others is a lot easier than working for yourself of what you have to do because there are things when you are self-employed that you basically have to do as part of your business that you're not being paid for.
And sometimes when you're getting started, that not being paid for work is time-consuming, long, and can go on for a very long time. But you have to get to that point to where you can start making money. Like in my business, I have licensing requirements that I have to do for continuing ed, license requirements for insurance that I have to do for different licenses. I Then I have to start buying licenses. I have to buy insurance. I have to buy all these things. I have to spend out this vast amount of money before I can even start earning. And that takes weeks, months for licensing classes and all that other stuff. And every few, and I, some, some licenses I have to renew every year with continuing ed ongoing that I have to pay for. I have licenses that I have to do for my tax business, that I have to have my tax continuing ed education that I have to do, pay for, that I have to pay for. My software that I have to buy every year that is going up in price every year before I can even start making any money. So when you are out on business on your own, you take on all the risk. Okay? So, but it's still, you work, you work, you work. The importance of work. Thinking about that as we move on. Okay, please think about that as you listen. And an unwavering faith in what this country can allow you to become. This grandson of a man who picked cotton eventually picked out a seat in Congress, and then the Senate. And today he announced his candidacy to lead the country. From Charleston, South Carolina, the birthplace of the Civil War, pitting brother against brother, comes a man. Pay attention to this. Please, please, please pay close attention. Preaching unity and purpose and promise and optimism that America can do for others what it did for him. Welcome to you, Senator Tim Scott. Uh, thank you for joining us. You know, I leave the state for one day, and you announce that you're running for president <laughs> of the United States. You snooze, you lose, my friend. You snooze, you lose. All right, let me ask yes, you sir. this. <laughs> are there policy differences? I mean, there, there are other candidates announced and some other candidates that may get in the race. Are there is this a matter of policy differences, or is it a, a difference in implementing or communicating those policies that might be shared? See, what the, the let's get to the heart of the question here, okay? The heart of that question is policy differences. Basically, <laughs> um, do you agree, do you like the Trump policies, right? The America First agenda, the America First policies, tax cuts, um, all those things. The America First agenda. That's the core principle that he's asking about, okay? And that, and that the basically building the wall on the border, cutting off illegal immigration, tough on crime, stopping fentanyl drugs, uh, tough on China, stopping um, China's aggression against Taiwan. All of these things that are the Trump philosophical constructs on um, policies, Drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. These are the aspects that he, the, the core concept that he's asking about. Okay? So, so that is what we're going for here. Well, well thank you, Trey. I, I do think this is a, a difference in how we communicate. There's no question that my life disproves the lies of the radical left. 
his life disproves the lies of the radical left. I love that statement. I love that statement. And, uh, you know, here's the thing is, okay, I'm going to full disclosure, okay? In 2016 election in the primaries, I did not vote for Trump. I voted for Ted Cruz. But then in the general election, I voted, I was a, I'm all in on whoever has the, the R after their name on, as the candidate, okay? I was all in on Trump, and I supported him, I supported him, I supported him. I supported his re-election because he, he was one of the greatest presidents this country has ever had, if not the best, on what he accomplished in just four years. Okay, he has it, but see, there, there. I do understand the the uh, the his negatives affect some people, and a lot of people stayed home because of those negatives. They they believe the they they believed it. They they didn't want to give them. The, there was this whole anti-Trump movement even within the Republican Party and and there were a lot of like Republicans that didn't stay home even some major Republicans voted for Biden these are the types of issues that we're talking about here okay and but I think that the massive corruption of the FBI and the uh, and the the Drummond report and all the that shows all this you know basically illegal activity of the FBI and the Justice Department against Donald Trump it has surged him in the polls okay and th when you start analyzing the Trump era the Trump uh, presidency and look about what he had to go against I mean, just imagine if he if he basically had if things were basically if just the the regular Democrat hatred of Republicans that Bush had to deal with. Just imagine how great you know the presidency would have been, right? So so this is this is what this is. So have these aspects. See, one thing that I do about this is I, I pose these questions. I pose, I think about this, think about this. Have this in the back of your mind as you're listening to this conversation. And then the, listen to the questions I'm asking and my analysis of the answers. And then I take all that information and then think for yourself, what do you agree with? Do you have a new understanding? Can you take what you've what you've said in the back, simmering in the background? Does has that changed the flavor of the soup? Does these types of things, okay, has it opened up an awareness to you, a new way of looking at things that you weren't doing before? Okay, those are things that I would like you to do when you listen to things, right? Take you want to bring in as much raw data you can information knowledge and then take that knowledge and listen to things and apply socratic analysis and ask yourself what's what is he talking about here what is the core principle that he's talking about here and then what then what are my views on that core principle Okay, listening to what he has to say about that core principle and then say, do I agree with that? Can I, can I agree with that? Can I accept that? 
and is it and 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 does does his answer give me a way to think about my choice, my opinion, my view in a different way? These are the this is called critical thinking. Okay, thank you. Their culture of victimhood is eating away at the soul of America. I understand brokenness. I understand having low esteem. I understand nearly failing out of school. But I also understand that we do not live in a nation of grievance. We live in a nation of greatness. So allowing we live in a nation of greatness, not a nation of grievance. What that that is that is a con a concept that. Um, that Candace Owen refers to as victimology. They're living in a state where everybody's a victim. You have to be a victim. And basically, whoever is the, is the, the most victim, victimized person is the one that that person needs to be listened to more than anybody else. Okay, so basically, if in, in you, you've called it intersectionality, is how many intersectionalities do you have? Not intersexual, intersectional analysis. How many of those intersectional um, thing concepts that apply to you, you know, all these different, how many different check boxes can you check off? And the more boxes of that you can check off means that you are the most important person in the room. You are the most important. This, what? This is, this is what's going on. Okay. That's the left viewpoint. And he's saying, no, forget all that. Forget all that, because that's trying to say, well, the country's behind it. The country is this. If the country was left, it would be. No, he's saying the country's great. Let's look at the greatness of the country and, and, how, and how we can use this greatness to, and we're, our hard work to make our lives better. That's, that is a, part, a portion, a part of what he's trying to say, just a little bit, just a little bit of what he's trying to get at. Okay the life story to impact how we share the gospel of good news of conservative values, conservative principles with the American people. That's the power of persuasion, having lived the story myself. I believe that makes me uniquely qualified to push back on the radical left. Now, see, what he was saying is, I love the fact that he was talking, he took the question. And, and not as a way to basically attack Trump or attack DeSantis or attack Nikki Haley or attack Vivek or any of the other people who might throw their hats in the ring, which I hope there's not any more, um, because the more people in, it's, it just makes it a, a, a big problem. Um, you know, we don't need 20 people running for president. <laughs> that just creates problems. Um, but see... The thing is that he took that question, he took that question and applied, it's like, from my life, I saw the greatness and, I, and I'm basically experiencing and, and, and how the principles and beliefs of conservatism has helped me advance. And anybody can do that. I love this guy. I really do. He, 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 you can learn so much from him. And he is a perfect example of this country. He is a perfect example of this country. Okay? You know, Senator, I mean, it, it's been happening since you and I met each other. I, I'm a complete cynic, and you almost make me feel hopeful. Uh, the, the country is frustrated. It's angry. It's scared. So, I mean, that's what the polling indicates. I mean, 75% of the country thinks that we are headed in the wrong direction. So, can a 
what I call a happy warrior. Can a happy warrior prevail in an environment given the mood of the country and the... Now, see, here's the thing when it comes to um, people and voting in politics. People will vote for positive, positive, positive policies, positive looking, positive future, looking positive towards how great things are. People will, will, are attracted to that. Okay, now see the thing is, is that well, negative people go negative in politics. People go negative. Well, see what you're doing is you're saying, when you're doing the negative, you're taking there. This is the option that if we if you go this direction, this will happen. This will be bad. This is what it is. And so you're basically your positive aspect is we're not going to do that. Instead of saying. This is how we're going to go. This is where we're going to go. I like he, the way he the way he says things, the way he communicates. I love that. Vivek does the same thing. So does Christy Nome. So does DeSantis. Okay. Trump does it too in a different way. Okay. Trump Trump is a counterpuncher. Trump is a fighter. Okay. And that's needed too. Okay. That's needed too. And they're all going, see, see, this is what is, I love about our system. It's like, let's, let's, like, let's listen, let's talk, let's engage, let's debate, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's have more speech, not less. Let's talk about policies more, not less. Let's, let's allow everybody to speak. And you want to know something? Give, uh, give, give AOC a bullhorn, and I say give AOC two hours of primetime television every night. Give her, a, give her, just have her sit down, here's a mic, and just talk for two hours every night. Yeah, she's the greatest, <laughs> she is the greatest gift to, to conservatives that, in public policy um, because she, she's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, okay, moving on. Oh, that's so funny. The primary voters. Absolutely. Everywhere I travel around the country, from Iowa to New Hampshire and throughout South Carolina, people are starving for hope. They're starving for something optimistic, but they have to know you have a backbone and you're talking about conservative values, conservative principles, and conservative policies. When people understand that you can be both, yes, optimistic, but strong with a backbone, they are attracted to this campaign. And so that is so key to what he just said. You have to be compassionate. You have to be strong conservative policies and a backbone. You have to be strong. You have to stand up for things. You have to say no. The, no, not an inch more, not another centimeter more. This is, the, this, is the, this is the hill we die on. This is the line you shall not cross. This is where we stand and we fight. You have to be able to have that conceptual identity and say, not any more, no, not another inch, and mean it. You know, during, during the, um, the Syrian, in Syria, the war in Syria, uh, the red line that Obama said, this is the red line. If you use this, it will be attacked. They crossed the red line, and what did Obama do? Nothing. Nada, zip, zilch, nothing. 
they did the they did the red line again. Trump did during the Trump era. He says you use chemical weapons. You, I will I will bomb you, and and they did it, and he bombed them, and then they brought in CNN brought in a a Syrian man who survived the. Trump bombing, and he says, "God bless you, Donald Trump, for attacking the Syrians or using chemical weapons." And it's like they tried to get him to denounce Trump, and he just says, "God bless you, Donald Trump. God bless you, Donald Trump, for for carrying out, for attacking them, for using chemical weapons on their own people." And they the the, the can, they was like, "Oh, well, he just was bombed." He's like, "He'll hate Trump. Let's put him on the live the live TV." And they and they went to commercial like that, and that's the issue. He drew a line, he said no more, not another inch, not another incident, and boom, he completed it. Promise made, promise kept. Okay, you have to have backbone. Obama had that line, but what happened is he caved. He caved. Democrats cave at every instance. You can't trust them, okay, and that's what needs to be understood. So we're hoping to get across this country to continue to share our message. You can go to votetimscott.com. Okay, that's what we're, what we're going to move on, and we're going to go to this other video. Now, we, we know about his conceptual framework on, on, on his views. So here is the view. <laughs> oh, 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 this is, this is, oh. These, this is a group of the most stupidest people on the face of the earth. <laughs> Oh, wow. Here we go. Outkick host Tommy Laren joins us now. Tommy, before we get your reaction, let's get Tim Scott's reaction to those comments. I, I, Tommy Laren, I, I just, I, she's great. I mean, she is just so smart. And then uh, this is, this is from, this is from uh, Fox and Friends first, I think it is, early, 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 early in the morning. Early. We have to ignore the far left by disproving their lies by our actions. Here's the funny thing. The host, Sonny, she wants to be judged by the content of her character, not the color of her skin. And Scott went on to say a great line talking to his buddy Trey Gowdy at 8 o'clock last night. There is no question my life disproves the lies of the radical left. Tommy, what's your reaction to this latest round of ignorance from the ladies at The View? <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that is that the concept, see they, oh, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King is no longer the found, is no longer the key philosophical viewpoint of the left. The, the Black Lives Matter and the radical socialist left have abandoned Martin Luther King. They've abandoned his philosophy. And they've and they've accepted the Zindi philosophy, and I covered that in a um, podcast early on. And his the Zindi philosophy is one where if you what is re referred to as the anti-racist statement, but in in his writings, Zindi says that. Martin Luther King's statement, judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, that is a, that is a racist statement, according to Zindi. And according to the new philosophical principle guiding force of Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Party is what it would be a non-racist statement are blacks are superior to whites. 
that is the that is considered a non-racist statement. Okay, and any any statement to where people are equal, people it doesn't matter the color of your skin, all of those concepts that was the key principle of Martin Luther King. Right? Which is a, I, I love Martin Luther King's policy. You judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, because the color of their skin is completely zero importance to anything. Okay? But you can't say that because that's considered racist. Insanity. What would Martin Luther King say about that? He would say, he would denounce that he would you know it's it's insane it is completely totally insane moving on well i'll tell you guys if you're ever feeling badly about yourself just remember that there are people who watch the view each and every single day so i'll start with that <laughs> but also you know i i feel sorry I, I have to say this. I've, the people who watch The View every day, pretty much, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet the only people that watch it every day are basically the interns at Fox News. <laughs> because they basically, this is it's like, oh, check this out. And then, then they circulate the videos around. No one, no one watches this show. I mean, seriously, why is it still on the air? I mean, these people are completely and totally insane. <laughs> totally, totally insane. Totally, totally insane. Think about the message that Sonny Hostin put out there, that uh, Tim Scott is the exception to the rule. Like somehow black Americans are already at a disadvantage from birth. That they exception to the rule. Well, he's the exception to the rule. The rule of what? Is that black people cannot succeed to the Senate? That black people cannot work their way out of poverty? That black people cannot own a business I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I, I, I know several African Americans who are business owners they are hard working honorable men and women and, and, and to say that they don't that, that they are pretty much an exception I find it basically I don't give a crap about people's skin color I give a, peop I give a crap about pers the people's um, first of all, when it comes to doing business and it comes to working with somebody in a business aspect, is I want to know: Do you make good business decisions? That's the key point I have: is do you make good business decisions? And how? Because if you are pers if you want to basically increase operational costs, decrease profits, I don't want anything to do with you in the business world. I don't want you to be a business partner or a business re in a business relationship with me because why? Because my pro we're doing business with you is you're endorsing policies that will cut lower my profits and increase my operational costs. I don't want to do business with people who will cut my profits and increase my operational costs. I want to do business where people that will help me reduce my operational costs, and I want to do business with people that will increase my profits. That's what I'm looking for in a business relationship. The color of that person, the gender of that person, I don't care. I care about green. Well, that's another issue. Why is our money pink? But that's another separate issue that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Moving on.
they simply cannot climb out of. And if you do climb out of it, instead of being seen as an inspiration, which Senator Scott certainly is, you are seen uh, almost like you should be uh, feel badly for your success. And certainly that you shouldn't be a conservative or Republican or preach empowerment over victimhood. That's what the ladies of The View are putting forth here, among other things that they've said about this poor man. But, you know, when we look at this Republican race, oftentimes the left falsely criticizes the GOP, the Republican Party, for not being inclusive or not being diverse enough. Yet, on the same hand, when we do have more diversity and inclusion, which our party... Okay, let's let's look at this. Let's look at this, okay? Out of the declared candidates, we have... These are the declared candidates. We have one, two, three, four people of minorities. We have two people of Indian heritage, two people of African-American heritage. Out of the potential candidates, okay, why is Liz Cheney here? She's, she's, she's not. She's insane. She's completely, totally insane. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we have Christy Nome. We have female. We have uh, William Hurd. I, I, uh, I don't know him. Um, Youngkin, I, 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 he needs to stay in Virginia, personally. I think that he needs to basically secure the, the uh, basically the transformation of that state from, from blue to red. Uh, DeSantis, Hispanic. Uh, Suarez, Hispanic. Okay. Um, Sununu, I don't know what his ethnicity is. Okay. Ted Cruz, Hispanic. Okay. Um, so we have like one, two, three, uh, four, four more potential candidates. I'm not counting Liz Cheney because she's not, she's, she's going to, if she, she's not a Republican, <laughs> she's not a Republican. She's a Democrat. I mean, she's insane. She's completely, totally nuts. Um, but see that that's, that's, that's who we have here. Okay. But out of all of these lists, the, the people that I like the most, I like Ted Scott, I like uh, Vivek, I like Nikki Haley, I like Trump, I, I love Christy Nome. Oh, Christy Nome, Ted Cruz. I'm telling you right now that that uh, I would, uh, the all of these people would make, I mean, there's not, the only person on this list there's um, that I know of, that I, that I know that I don't really like. I don't, John Bolton, he's a little too old, I, and I, I, I don't, He's he's a little more of a, um, I I just don't like some of his pol foreign policy stuff. Uh, but you know, I hate Chris, I hate Liz Cheney. Can't stand her. Um, Mike Rogers. I don't know that much about him. Doug Burgum. I don't know that much about him. I really like Gin Lunkin. I like him a lot. I love Greg Abbott. I love Frank's Fr Francis Sununu. Oh, Ron DeSantis. Great. Christy Nome. Great. Ted Cruz, I want him as the Senate Majority Leader. I want him to rule the Senate. That is, I, I love that, but he would make, honestly, a great president. Uh, Mike Pence is, I think, a little too uh, soft-spoken. Um, he would be a great administrator. He would be a great um, policy-wise, but when it comes to... He he seems too soft. I, I too too not soft. Soft is an inappropriate root. I apologize for that misstatement. Um, he's too um, I would say soft spoken, right? He's a very he's a very soft spoken person. 
Um, I, do, I haven't seen him be um, basically uh, aggressive enough to stand up to China or Xi Jinping or North Korea or, you know, that kind of, of uh, stuff. He's, uh, but he has, he's right on the policies, but he might be that person. I don't know. I just haven't, there's not much of him dealing with that as, in that level. Right. Where, you know, you haven't seen him, the, you haven't seen the warrior Mike Pence, where you have seen the warrior Ron DeSantis, the, where he's going and battling against the wokeism in, in Florida. You've seen Christy Nome battling against the CDC during, during the, uh, the COVID crisis in, in South Dakota, battling against the government and, and, and making sure that her people are free and safe. So you've seen the warrior Christy Nome. You've seen the ro- warrior Ron DeSantis. You've seen the warrior Glenn Lunkin. You've seen the warrior Greg Abbott. You've seen, you've seen the administrative and, and, and brilliance of Francis Suarez in, in managing and, and transforming Miami into a Republican. So you've seen these people in action. Okay, Chris Christie, he's I, I don't not like him at all. But you've seen that you've seen that warrior esque aspect and that brilliance that they have. Vivek, his 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 business acume is brilliant. Uh, Nikki Haley, her foreign policy is right on. Ted Tim Scott, right there. Larry Alder, he's a he's a strong conservative warrior against California, basically conservatives in California that are outspoken, you're, you get warrior points. So this is the aspects that we're talking about here, okay? But see, this is the philosophical construct that we have, okay? So, so keep that in mind. Certainly has and is cultivating even more of, then they tell us it's not genuine or somehow that the people that are representing those diverse groups are somehow forced into being conservatives or Republicans or they are Uncle Tom's or any of the other horrible slurs that they use for members of this party who happen to be black, brown, or a member of a certain minority group. It's absolutely abhorrent and disgusting, but what would I expect from the ladies of the view? And that is where we're going to leave that. That is. Wow, I love her. So, <laughs> this is the concept that we have, and this I hope you enjoyed listening to the Tea Party Policy Chat. God bless you all. God bless America. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>